Welcome to the Make Life Less Difficult podcast. This podcast explores what it means to make life less difficult for each other and for ourselves. We share stories of struggles and successes because we believe sharing our stories eases the difficulty of life. I'm Lisa Tilstra, your host. Let's jump in to today's conversation. My guest today is Josephine Vonner. Josephine is the founder of the Empowered Entrepreneur Program, former corporate executive turned entrepreneur and business growth strategist. Josephine spent almost 20 years as a financial services consultant and global program manager before the impact of a heartbreaking wake-up call gave her the courage to take the risk and leave corporate to pursue her dreams. Within four weeks after her wake-up call, she resigned from a high-status, well-paid job and made the commitment to overcome her fears and create a life of her choosing. Today, she helps others do the same. At the forefront of her mission, she works towards creating clarity for new and established service-based entrepreneurs by helping them to identify their core values and rediscover joy, build their own successful and profitable online business, and ultimately lead a life without time constraints or compensation caps. Josephine and I met through a mutual connection, and it is such an honor and a privilege to have her here as a guest, sharing her journey, her wisdom, and her insight. Josephine, thank you for living an inspired and inspiring life, for being intentional about helping others find their own inspiration, and for all the light you shine into the world. Josephine, welcome to the Make Life Less Difficult podcast. Thank you, Lisa. I'm so happy that I that I can be here with you today. I'm really happy to have you here too. And I have to say in, in starting off, um, I feel so grateful because we connected through someone else that I connected with sort of randomly. And we talked about her being on the podcast and she said, I have someone else that I just met and would be great for your podcast. And this is really um, just a joyful part of the podcasting experience for me. It's what I hoped would happen. And so it's delightful. And I'm really looking forward to getting to know you better through our conversation. Yeah. I also love these connections that you make that you would never, ever, you know, beginning of this year, we would never even have thought about that, right? We didn't know each other. And then I didn't know the other person either. And then I met her and connected with her and she connected us. And I think that is the power of networking, right? Yes. Yes. It's just beautiful as it unfolds. And I feel a deep sense of gratitude for it. So thank thank you for being willing to connect with a total stranger and then commit to having a podcast conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, likewise. Likewise. <laughs> so Josephine, as, as we get started, I'd like to ask each of my guests about this idea of making life less difficult. The, the name of the podcast and the work that I do comes from a quote by Marianne Evans. What do we live for if not to make life less difficult for each other? And I would love to hear from you. What does that mean to you? I think you said two really important words that you said to make life less difficult. And then the second part you said to each other, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I think even to be able to make it less difficult for other people, we have to start with ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have to start making life less difficult to ourselves. To, to kind of, And I know it's hard when you're in a situation and it doesn't seem, it seems as if you painted yourself into a corner and you don't know how the heck should I get the hell out of here? And then it's like, 
well, you take one step, right? But you need to understand that you have to take one step because otherwise you will stay there for longer than it than it's necessary. Mm, indeed. I am I'm thinking about a variety of situations I've found myself in over <laughs> the years that resonate with uh with what you just shared. Yes. I'm curious for you when when you say that it's so important that we we look to make life less difficult for ourselves so that we can make it less difficult for others. Would you say for yourself that's a philosophy and a perspective that you have always held? Has that been developed over time? What's your experience with that? Oh, no, it, it's definitely not something I've had forever. I wish I would have had that. But for me, I think my, I was I was in corporate for almost 20 years. And, you know, I pursued a path that I didn't really want to have in the first place, but I didn't realize it, right? I also had uh, children. Um, and then it's like, you put yourself at the you know, the lowest priority of priorities because you are like, and you're so stuck in this in this process of always, you know, um, being there for your kids, making sure that your career is going well, even though it wasn't a career that I really wanted, but I didn't really realize that, you know, because I was so ingrained into this and doing and doing and get up in the morning and then continue and we have uh, we had a mortgage that had to be paid and you know you get kind of like I like to call it like that you're in the golden cage and you have all mm. these bars and they might be from the society what they might be thinking it's a huge thick bar is what you yourself is talking about yourself and what you're mm. what you're thinking about yourself and then it's the children if you have children it, that is a bar it's your parents it's everything keeps you inside of this golden cage Mm. Until, as in my case, um, my father got diagnosed with uh, with um, terminal cancer. And mm. my Google research said he would have three more months to live. And I was like, holy cow, wow. that could be me, you know. And wow. at the time I was 45 and I was like, I had then already started to think about what I would want to do when I was retired, <laughs> like 20 years. Mm. And it's like, this can't be it, right? It can't be that you go up to a job every morning afraid of, you know, opening up the laptop to start the day and to continue that for the next 20 years, right? So mm. that was my very hard and very real wake-up call. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I So I want to ask about multiple things and I'd, and I'd love um, to really hear more about the story with your, with your father. Um, just before we go there, I'm wondering you mentioned a variety of things and, and getting into this place where you put your career first, you put your children first, you put, I'm curious for you where, when you look back, where you track that to. And, and I asked that question because for me, I kind of track it back to my family of origin and um, religious upbringing that I had um, some cultural pieces, but I kind of see some specific things. And I'm just curious for you where that messaging came from for you in your life. I can I can probably even pinpoint it to mm -hmm. to a certain certain thing that happened. I was fourteen when my parents got a divorce. Uh, mm -hmm. My sister is seven years younger than I am, and it was a very hard divorce. Um, it was a lot of fighting, and and um, my mom was extremely sad, and I blamed my dad for everything. Wow. Even though now you know you know that it's not one person's fault that two two people separate, but that was kind of like how it came across to me. And my grandmother even told me then 
that now you have to take care of mom. And my mom is, she's the strongest person there is. So she definitely didn't need any taking care of. But I think that was the time where I kind of like decided internally, I need to make my mother proud. So I have an audience of one, you know, (laughs) I have an audience of one. Even when I resigned, because what happened when my father, uh, just before my father passed away, I handed in my resignation and I didn't have I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do or where I was heading. I just knew I need to get out of there. I need to get out of that bubble, you know? And so I handed in my resignation, but I didn't tell my mom about it. So, you know, even Mm -hmm. then, like over 30 years later, this totally kind of like steered a little bit my way of thinking and being. And, you know, Mm -hmm. always not, it was always this, you should have a safe profession, you know, even Mm -hmm. though I I know or I think that a corporate job is never, ever a safe profession because you never know people get laid off all the time, right? Um, But that was kind of like what I had been fed with since I was was a baby. You have to have a safe profession. Mm. So that is kind of like, yeah, what has steered me then, not Mm -hmm. pursuing the things that I really love doing. Mm -hmm. Yes, and at 14, that's a um, significant weight to take on of you know, your grandmother. And, I, and I'm sure that she said that from a place of love and care and concern. And yet that's that's a heavy weight to take on as a teenager. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she's not with us today, but if I would have asked her about it, she probably wouldn't even have remembered it. You know, yeah. I, I think it was probably something she, because she cared for her. She also saw how my mom lost a lot of weight and she was extremely sad. And we all saw, <clears throat> excuse me, we all saw her suffering, right? And we all wanted to be there for her. Yeah. So, and since my sister was so much, or she she still is so much younger than I am, she, you know, she didn't grasp any of this, right? So it was just, uh, and with 14, you have a lot of other, you know, problems that you have to deal with when you are a teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a challenging and very formative time in life. And it, it's interesting to notice too, sometimes those moments that stay with us in well into our adulthood, perhaps our whole adult, depending on how we process it. And yet, like you said, your grandmother probably wouldn't even remember the comment. I find that fascinating. Like, what is it that makes a certain comment that could be quite insignificant to whoever's saying it really stick with us um, and impact us going forward? Yeah, definitely. And maybe also that is also one of the big learnings to Mm. not let other people's comments, you know, get to us that much. To be able to, you know what, that, okay, fine, you know, but this is me. This is what I am doing. I'm taking mm-hmm. the next step and the next step and the next step in, independently of what you guys think or say. Mm-hmm. But it yes. takes a lot of guts to do that. It does. It does. And it really, I mean, it takes me back to this theme of that's, mm-hmm. it's difficult to do. And it also can make life less difficult if we can step away from what people's expectations are of us and kindly and with respect say, thank you. I'm going my, my own way. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, if you have to live up to everyone else's expectations, including your own, which is, which are probably often higher expectations than what everyone else have, have on you, then life is difficult. And not until you can like break free of that, it's going to be less difficult. And that is also when you are open to help others. Mm, yeah. 
There's so much. I'm I'm just reflecting <laughs> as we talk, and I'm like, okay, um, I'm just. Where absorbing. do I even start? <laughs> I'm absorbing all of this, Josephine. I love it. Um, so it, it sounds like your father receiving this diagnosis, where you realized his time was significantly limited and shortened, had a really significant impact on you, and you're looking around at your life and and ended up resulting in you making some big changes, um, wherever it makes sense, would you be willing to jump into that story and share a little bit more about the the transformation, it sounds like, that happened during that time? Yeah, definitely. And also, I honestly believe that when we are doing big changes like that, we do need what I call our wake-up call. And mm-hmm. that can be that someone else close to you, like in my case, uh, passes away that uh, you have a burnout that you are are getting laid off or that you might get a kind of like a terminal not terminal but a disease yourself that you have realized that holy cow life can be really short right Mm -hmm. and I think that until until that happens we just continue going because what we're thinking is it could be worse it could be worse someone else is having it way uh, worse than I do you know and that was also, you know, when I, when I had quit my job, I was like, oh my God. And I looked around me and I was like, why can't I just be, you know, satisfied with taking another job, going, working there seven to four or eight to five or whatever it might be, right? No, because for me, life is not about just going to work. I want to make a difference, right? But <laughs> it, took, it took a lot because, you know, for all of these 20 years that I was in corporate, I was within the financial services, it was like, you didn't, you didn't, or I didn't think about my purpose and my why. And those things are so big and they are so huge. And that can actually hold you back too, because you're thinking, oh, I don't, I don't know my purpose. I don't know my why. Then it doesn't make any sense for me to even pursue something if I don't even know what it is that I'm pursuing. Mm. But I think now that start walking, you need to start walking towards something mm. and new things will open up. Like you and I, you know, when I, when I quit my job, I was like, oh, I want to have a podcast and I want to write a book. And I want, you know, I had all of these popcorn ideas popping up, mm-hmm. but I didn't know how, you know, how do I do this? Right. Mm-hmm. But then you start taking a step, one step after the other. And for me, it was also that I wanted to help other women to not feel the same way that I felt then, you know, mid forties, completely lost mm-hmm. as if I had, you know, picked the wrong career. And is it now too late? A little bit that feeling. Yeah. And so that was like, okay, so what do I need then? Because what if I say, hey, girls, come on, let's, you know, pursue our dreams. And they would say, yeah, let's do that. And I was like, what do I do then? You know, for me, it was like, (laughs) fill fill my backpack with tools. So that is how I came into coaching. But I was still like, you know, still in this corporate world. I was like, yeah, because even a coaching degree, I can use that in my future leadership roles. So I was still, you know, it is stuck mm. in this old thinking. It didn't really dare. And as you said, it's a transformation. Mm. You need to take one step after the other, and then the rest will follow. So that is a little bit what I live by now. What is it? What is it that really gave you the courage, or or, or where did the courage come from for you ultimately to step away from your from your corporate job? I think it was. You know what? I had been successful. I was a senior executive in one of Switzerland's largest banks. And I was like, I had been successful in a career that I didn't even want in the first place. Mm. Imagine how successful I can be when I'm doing something I really love doing. 
And I think that is what kind of made me dare to take the step. Mm. But also the thought of, oh my God, if I don't do this now, it might be too late. Mm. There was, there were, these two kind of pulled, pulled at me. But yes, of course, I remember we had a party. Uh, my, my husband had a, he had a kickoff party for his company and I was there meeting other friends. And I, I said to one of them, I said, what if it doesn't work out? Even though I didn't know what should work out because I didn't know what I wanted, right? But I was, what if it doesn't work out? And he was like, you don't need to worry about that, Josephine. It will work out for you. Mm. So that is kind of like, and he's not even, you know, my best friend or anything. It's just that, yeah, he's right, you know? Were there other voices? Because it's, it, so first of all, I think what an amazing connection, right? This person wasn't your best friend or anything, but but to have them give you that feedback of like, it's going to work out. My, I just, I feel that in my heart and I just feels like my heart expands. Like, and, 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 um, I've experienced in my own life having people that don't have that perspective and they do share their concerns and their worries. And when I have stepped away from quote unquote, stable, secure jobs, they're like, what are you doing? Like, you know, and they want a clear plan. Are you going back to school? Are you doing this? And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to, so have you had other voices? I mean, what do you, what do we do with the other voices? Because we're not always, yeah. Like how, how do you sort through those? <laughs> yeah. So my mom, obviously when, when I then did tell her, so because I, I resigned two weeks before my father passed away, but I didn't tell her until I think maybe it was two weeks after my, okay. so it was like a gap of four weeks in between. My sister knew, but I hadn't, I hadn't dared telling my mom yet. Did Imagine you know, that, like, did you kind of know how your mom was going to respond? <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. So she was like, she was like, oh, well, you have to manage it yourself. Kind of, you know, kind of. And I was like, I've, I've been managing myself since I was 14, you know, it's, it's mm. not, but she does, she, she has a different perspective. And, mm-hmm. um, I remember also once, uh, I have a, another friend, she was, she was in a really toxic, like really, really, really toxic environment in corporate. And so she resigned too. She also didn't have anything else afterwards. She didn't. Have, and my mom was like, because I come from a small village and my mom was like, oh, you know, that that Brit told me that that Lotta had resigned. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. But didn't you tell Brit then that I did the same? She was like, oh, no, of course not. You know, oh, so that is kind of like in this village, talking about the bars, right? You have mm. the bars of a village if you grew up, if you grew up in the village too, right? What other people mm-hmm. think of you. Mm-hmm. So that is one voice. Um, and I just had to take that. Well, actually, I spoke with my coach about that. And she was the one who who kind of said this, oh, so you have an audience of one. Oh, that is so true. You know, just becoming aware of that, that everything mm-hmm. that I'm doing or I had been doing was to try to please my mom, you know, do having this fantastic career and whatnot. Oh. And <laughs> and another voice that said something, because I, when I started out, I started more into life coaching because I realized how extremely powerful life coaching can be when it's done in a really good way, right? When it's done the right way. Uh, so I started out in life coaching and then one of my, actually my friends, she said, oh, you should just hear what my husband thinks about life coaching. Like very kind of like a little bit um, diminishing or very diminishing and very mm-hmm. kind of like, um, and, and I was like, I just thought then, well, mm, yeah, you will probably need it one day. You know, it's like, 
So even though it made me really, really, really sad because I love what I'm doing and I love, you know, the possibilities that we have, even though I'm not now doing life coaching per se, but I integrated into my, into my business coaching and mentoring business, because I still think it's a part, it's a big part of being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. to be able to manage all of these things. Right. And, uh, it made me really sad she couldn't be happy for me, you know, that I was finally yeah. doing something that I really love doing. Yeah. So that is a little bit, we all have these voices and we have to deal with them mm-hmm. and not let it get to us for, for, for too long. Yeah. I, I appreciate that you identified the emotion as sad um, because there is a, a, a grieving, a sadness when someone that we really care about doesn't get it. And for whatever reason, can't can't really see what it is that we're going for and why it's important to us and supporting. And I know for myself, sometimes I get, I start off by getting angry or frustrated at that person. And yet, if I dig down under the emotions, sadness is is really at the heart of it. Because because it, it is sad. You want somebody that you care about to kind of be on your team and cheerleading you on. And especially when you're taking a risk, right? Because I know for myself, I've questioned myself, well, maybe I am doing something crazy. And then you have somebody who's important in your life kind of saying you're doing something crazy. <laughs> and it can be, yeah, quite difficult to sort through, sort yeah, through those words. Another feeling, another feeling that then also that gives me, that gives me some, uh, how do you say it? Fuel. And I'm, I'm then thinking, I will show them. I will show them that I can make this work, you know, Mm -hmm. better than all of their, uh, the stuff that they are doing. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I will show you, I will show them. It can create some (laughs) motivation. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it does actually. And I think that is important to not say, oh yeah, 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 she's right. Yeah, that was a bad decision. Because I had that too, because before I quit my job, um, I had worked with uh, two friends about starting a different company, but we were never, you know, well, one day I was on a high and then some of them were on a low and we never really dared to try this idea. We never even dared to test the idea. Mm. And then I had one very critical person who came, who came from this industry. It was the um, interior design industry. And he was like, oh, how do you think you can do that? And that then got to me and I was like, yeah, he's probably right. You know, I think now in hindsight, um, it's also a learning it's also learning, I, and I use that with my clients, that don't let these things, don't let these comments get to you. But how do you then, how do you deal with such a comment? At the time, I didn't really know about business coaching or business mentoring or life coaching for that matter. And I think in these instances, it's really, really, really important that you have someone independent to talk about. Mm. That they, they, Because if you just keep it in your head, or you might talk with your spouse or with your friend about it, they they don't a friend or a spouse they also have their own opinion that they give to you then right in contrary to a coach or or yeah a coach they just pick it up and then they continue okay so how how did it make you feel you know you talk about it and then you talk through it and then you can put it aside right mm-hmm. and i think that is really important mm-hmm. i appreciate you bringing that up because my next question was going to be around what are some practical ways <laughs> to, to <laughs> deal with this so yeah, having that external perspective, um, it I think it can be really powerful. And and it also makes me think about in my own experience, some of the people that I'm very close to and yet have 
expressed concern when I start something new or make a big change in my life. When I can step back from all of my own emotion about it, I can see that they they actually are coming from a place of love and concern for me and you know, for whatever reason, don't want to see me fail or things like that. So it can be, it can just add a totally fresh perspective of someone who's not invested at all in, in my choices in a, in a, in a direct way. Um, and the, and a coach can really fit well in that, in that role. Because often we, we shouldn't also kind of forget that all of these even they might be a little bit masked as caring comments from our friends and, you know, neighbors, <laughs> who, <laughs> who else, right? It's their own fears that mm. they, that they um, speak about. It's not, it's not, it's how they would react in certain situations. It's based mm-hmm. on their own fears, their own uh, experiences. And therefore that shouldn't kind of like be the basis for your own decisions, However, if you need the approval of someone else to take a decision, like if, if let's, let's say, if I would have needed my mom's approval to, to quit my job, I would have needed to involve her earlier in the process to give her more mm-hmm. insight about how I felt it, in my work environment. Mm-hmm. And then I think she probably would have said earlier on, Josephine, you need to get out of there. But I didn't mm-hmm. need her approval, so I didn't need to involve her in the process, right? Mm-hmm. So that is, my husband, on the other hand, he was also inside the process. He knew, and I just told him, I, I need to hand in my resignation. He was like, yeah, let's let's do it. That's a great distinction, right? And thinking about who are the people that you actually do need on board, because sometimes in the situation of a, a partner and a spouse, there needs to be some alignment there versus a parent or, or sibling or things like that. It's like, okay, well, I don't necessarily need, it would be nice if they were on board, but not necessary. I think that's a really great distinction to sort through that. Yeah, but even for a spouse, because then I was, um, I discovered a business mentor and I was like, I really need, I really need her support. And um, what had happened before also was that my husband had quit his job literally over a year before I had quit my job. And we had put almost all our kind of savings into his company. So it wasn't as if we had, you know, a huge buffer or money or anything, right? Um, So... I said, I, I really need her support. He was like, no, 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 you can't do that. We don't have the money. And I was like, yeah, 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 you're right. But she increased her prices significantly. And I knew that. And then the next time I, I didn't ask him, I just said, I'm doing this now. And he was like, yeah, okay. So when you, when, when you need someone's approval, you need to have decided first. You can't come and say, what do oh, you wow. think I should do? Do you think this is good? Do you, what do you think? Because again, he hadn't been involved. He didn't know about this business mentor, how fantastic I thought she was. He hadn't been to uh, all of her kind of uh, workshops and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I knew, but I didn't really dare to express it, right? Until the next time. And then I said, I'm doing this now. So when you need, you have to be clear on your decision first, and then you can involve others. How, what, what did you do to get you to, to that point where you were clear internally like what shifted and changed between that first conversation and the second I actually signed up with a different <laughs> business coach in between and I and the way she taught and the way she was didn't align with what I think I think if um if I want to feel you know I want to grow I want to feel empowered I want to feel supported and I didn't feel that in that environment 
Um, and I was like, then I could have stayed in corporate if that was what I wanted to feel. Oh. So I said, I'm not continuing in her next step. Uh, but I see, you know, I definitely see the advantage of having a business mentor or being a program mm. with other inspirational people. And so I kind of like I was finished with her program and stepped into the other person's program, which was mm. a huge difference. Huge difference. And that is also why it's so important that you pick a coach, in, independent if it's, you know, one-to-one -one coach or if it's a business mentoring program, but someone who really, where you really feel that this person really gets me, even if it's a big, huge program, right? Mm -hmm. But that you feel that they are inspiring you, that they're kind of like way how they talk, how they behave, that that is so aligned with your core values. Mm -hmm. Think think about Think about core values. Think about it like like you have the opportunity now to implement your corporate values and to be aligned with them, right? Mm. And I think that is that is so important. So speaking of core values, it takes me back to earlier in the conversation when you were, you know, talking about when you were still in your corporate position and you really you didn't have time to reflect and think about purpose and values and things like that. So if someone's listening and is like, I don't even, like, I don't even know what my core values are. Um, I'd love to hear you share a little bit about your journey of discovering your core values and kind of when that started and how that has progressed over the years so that you now feel, I mean, it sounds like you feel very confident in what your values are and when they're aligned and when they're oh, yeah. not. And I, you know, you can, you can Google it online and you can get a list of, I don't know, 50 core values. I wouldn't do that <laughs> because that is, that just makes it more difficult and more complicated. There is a model by Dr. David Rock and he developed it, I think in 2008 and it's called something like that. <clears throat> it's called the SCARF model and SCARF stands for status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. Mm -hmm. And those are the only things I think that you need to know what that, what does that mean to you? And when I learned that model, it was as if the penny dropped in all of these different situations or positions that I had been in. Um, I was 10 years within the last company. I moved internally, shifted internally five times. The last time um, the, my my position was made for me. It didn't exist before, but it was made for me. Mm -hmm. So I was like, thought that I was in, you know, I had finally followed a sponsor. <laughs> Turned out that two weeks after I had joined, he was no longer with the bank, right? So my, I lost my sponsor. Oh, wow. And that's when the backstabbing really started. And, yeah. but all these, even all these changes before, when I saw that model, I was like, oh, that is why I didn't feel confident or comfortable in that situation. Often to me, it had to do with autonomy or even fairness. Um, status doesn't hasn't to do with whether you you know whether you are the CEO of a bank or or, or company or whatever or you know the president of something. Um, status is actually how how is your status within the group? Because mm. that also everything kind of comes from we want to minimize danger and we want to maximize kind of like our how we feel in our profit a little bit. Mm -hmm. And status is that if you feel that you have a lower status in a group compared to the others, you don't feel comfortable in that group. Mm. And as an example, I had started a new senior management position and we had, a, we had this first meeting and <clears throat> the chair asked the group a question. 
and no one said anything. So I was like, yeah, you know, I started speaking up. And he was like, Josephine, I wasn't speaking to you. In front of everyone and to me, he uh-huh. then said, kind of like said, not with his word directly, but with the way he replied to that, he said, your status mm-hmm. is lower than everyone else in this room, right? So to use that scarf model to not only how you want to feel and how you want to be or what you want to experience, but also how you are towards others, right? How are you as a leader towards others? How do you kind of use this status certainty? Certainty has about to do with, do we have a reorganization or is there anything else going on that we don't really talk about in front of our people? It's even better to tell them we don't know anything right now. However, by, I don't know, in 10 days, we will know more and we will inform you then. Mm -hmm. To not keep people in this kind of like (laughs) stage of not knowing anything, because then people will start making up things instead. That is when the rumors start, right? So that is, I think that is a fantastic, short, easy to understand, easy to remember model. And it's Mm -hmm. a YouTube video of only, I think, eight minutes and then you got it, right? That is great. I have not heard of that model before, but I'll um, put a link in the show notes to that if anybody wants to check that out, because I also will yeah. do some more <laughs> checking out with that. Because <laughs> as you're talking about, and I really, I'm really glad you expounded on what is meant by status and and to be in those situations where I, I have been in those situations, right? And everybody is essentially if you look at the official titles, everybody is is on a, on a similar um, level in the organization. And yet there can be somebody who wants to really make sure you know your place and it's below their place. Um, where, do, where does that come from? When you, when you see people acting in ways like that, what do you think is at the heart of that? Oh, I think they're afraid. What I, did, what I didn't know was uh, that this, this was a department. So the bank is huge, right? It has 40,000 or something like that uh, employees. Wow. And this was a department with, I don't know how many employees at the time, but I came in as quite high rank, which I didn't know that the others were lower rank. I, di- I didn't know that because that is not transparent within the bank, right? Mm. So every department was treated a little bit like a, like a silo department. So mm. I came in quite high rank and... I think they were then thinking that I kind of like stole the mm-hmm. other, like the quota of ranks. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I even had one person tell me that you don't add any value. Wow. And my, yeah. And my position was, it was process evaluation and I was the risk manager. And I was like, I think within a bank, a risk manager is probably quite important when you do process evaluation. But that's just what I think, you know? <laughs> I hope I hope that that position is... <laughs> valuable within the banking system. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I was like, mm, I think it was just, I think it was, you know, the fear of losing their own status, because if my status in, is then all of a sudden higher than their status, they even had an inner circle of trust. Never, ever make any inner circles of trust, because even if you are in inside the inner circle of trust, the people who are there, they will be so afraid of falling outside of the inner circle of trust that you will create a really bad cultural environment. Wow. So don't even think about that. That is, that can be challenging. And I think, especially I think of um, for people who are earlier in their career and and who really do want to 
climb the career ladder and and get promoted. And um, that can be almost counterintuitive to say, don't join the inner circle of trust. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they probably don't even have a choice. Either you are accepted or oh. you're not, right? So, mm. <laughs> so it, I think it's rather the leader. The leader of the pack mm. should never start an oh. inner circle of trust. And I think that is also really important to realize that when you when you are in a management position, when you are a leader, you need to behave. You need to be the role model of everyone else. Mm. I think if you are in your early career, you definitely need a sponsor. You need a sponsor because otherwise you will never climb the ladder if that is what you want to do, right? But you need to treat the others as you want to be treated yourself, independently of level or rank. Because if you don't, it will come back and haunt you one day or or the other. I am so certain of that. Yeah. So as I'm listening to you, I'm wondering how how did you manage all of that um, I mean, toxicity is the word that's coming up for me. I don't know if you would name it something else, dysfunction or just, um, yeah, I don't know if you have another word for it, but how did you manage that in the, in while you were still in your position? Well, you don't realize when you are in such an environment, you don't realize that that is what's going on in until you're out of it, right? You, do, mm. you don't realize it. It's, it's your daily it's a daily thing, right? But that is the reason why I had stomach ache in the morning when I opened up my laptop. That is the reason why I couldn't sleep at night. And you don't realize that, right? Until one day. And I had, when I started then my coaching, I had a, a chat with someone and he told me about a similar situation for a different company. And I said, yeah, it's, it's a toxic environment. He was like, no, 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 it's not. Well, it is, right? But people don't see that when you are inside of that. Yeah. What I did though was I was actually in, in therapy for a year and I, <laughs> I went to her and I sat there and I heard myself, you know, it, the, this hour that I had with her talking about myself and my colleagues and everything and how horrible that was. And when you do that over and over and over again, you realize that what am I saying here? When you speak mm-hmm. out loud to someone else, right? Not your colleagues who are in the same situation, because then that is when you, oh, yeah, yeah, you're so right. And he's so horrible. And you know what? But someone else who's not in that organization, Mm-hmm. Someone and she was like, "Do you really have to stay?" Oh yeah, I need to stay. You know, I need. To, you know, my husband just started his company and it's still not going on. I need to bring in the money. You know, I had all of these reasons or excuses to stay in that toxic environment until one day I remember it very clearly. I was uh, I had been promised resources, but the resources were not there then when I needed them, and they didn't fulfill on their promise, so to say. And I got really angry, and you know. I was so furious and I I had become a person that I didn't want to be myself. I was invited to meetings where people yelled at me and I yelled back, mm. you know? It's more of a reactive person I was then. I and that wasn't the person I wanted to be. Yeah. So and I think if I would have stayed in that environment if I hadn't gotten out, I would probably be the one with a burnout, right? Mm. So if you sense these things that you can't sleep, you are, you know, bad stomach feeling when you want to open up your emails in the morning, um, that you might be more irritated, <laughs> yelling at your husband, yelling at your kids, there is a reason for that. And you need to make something, some real changes, because it won't go away automatically. In the case that someone is listening to this and resonating and sort of recognizing themselves perhaps in a situation that is not healthy and there is the stomach pain and the overflow of emotions in other areas and um and yet they aren't 
they aren't at a place to step away um, or practically speaking, right? There's practical reasons why mm-hmm. stepping away, you know, in the immediate future isn't an option. What What is your wisdom for people in that situation? I think you just have to start with taking one small step because think think of it like um, like a ship. If the ship is out of the ocean and even if it's standing still, you can't move it, right? Mm-hmm. You can't go in any direction if you're not doing anything. But if the ship starts moving slowly forwards, mm-hmm. then it's easy, it will be easier to navigate. And you mm-hmm. will take, you can go right or you can go left or you can go straight ahead, right? And those small steps that I'm talking about, because I also think that when you, as I said before, when you see you have your purpose or you have your why, and it's like a huge, big black cloud, right? And you're, or mountain or whatever. And you're like, I will never get up there. I will never get on the top of that mountain. No, you won't because you cannot jump to the top, but you have to take small steps. And if you are in a situation where you are maybe in a corporate situation where you, you, you just need to get out of there, update your CV, send a DM to someone, um, make that call. Even these small things will change. It will change your story. And also think, what is the worst thing that can happen? If Because I've also coached people who are like in, in these situations and they so want a new job or change industry and it's really hard to get out of a certain industry if you want to get in another industry. Well, you won't change unless you do something. Mm-hmm. And that can be start engaging on, on LinkedIn, for example. Mm-hmm. Show people that you are there. And that is also really scary, by the way, because when I quit my job in 2019, I didn't even have, you know, I didn't have a profile picture. I would never, ever think about commenting or posting or liking someone else's post because then someone else might see it. Mm-hmm. Well, you need to get over that fear. And in my case, it's like taking courses. That is how I get over my fears. And it doesn't have to be really expensive courses or or anything, but just take small steps, whatever you need to get out of that situation. And I know how I felt then. I was like, oh my God, I don't have any energy. I'm working so much. And then I come home and I have my kids and I have my husband. I was, you know, the project manager at home too. I was like, I won't even, I don't have the energy to do something else. But now I think that I would have had the energy. Because think about it, if you come home from work on a Friday evening and you have had the horrible day and then you come home and your partner says, you know what, you need to go down and do the washing and you need to go and do the dishes and you need to do that. And you would be like, I just can't do it. But if that person would say instead, hey, you know what, welcome home. I, you know, just go up, take a shower. I've booked a table in a restaurant. Let's just go out. You know, you have a different perspective. Your energy would be up again, right? So if you do something that you really love doing, you will find the energy to do that. And you will get more energy by doing it. And it doesn't have to be big leaps or big jumps. Mm -hmm. Take small steps. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I love the metaphor of the ship in, in the water, um, or whatever size boat, I have a little bit of sailing experience. And, and I, I love point, I mean, it, it's so obvious. And yet to point it out, like, you can't turn the ship if it's not moving forward, even it, and even if it's moving forward, just really slowly, then you start to have some ability to turn and adjust the direction. And, and, and I think it's easy if someone is in that position to just feel completely stuck. I I, I can't 
do anything, right? That language. I'm like, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. And yet, like you're saying, okay, well, if there's small steps of self-development, of putting yourself out there a little bit on LinkedIn or reaching out to someone to have a conversation, it can just create the slightest bit of momentum that can open up some possibilities. And so I really, I love that. Yeah, imagine then when I quit, when I said, oh, I want to have a podcast. I still don't have a podcast. <laughs> That's not <yet>. the next <laughs> step. <laughs> not yet. But I wouldn't even have imagined that I would be on your podcast talking to you and, and being able to share my story with your people. And mm. that is another thing. I had a coach at the time who was not probably the best coach I could have had. Because what I told her then was, you know, I want to do a podcast and I want to, you know, I want to be a public speaker and, you know, <gasps> all these things. And, and then I said, but I don't have a story. And what she did then was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Then you should be a facilitator. She told me what she oh. thought I should do. Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Don't ever do that. Because that's that not is, called that coaching, that? right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's not. And I was like, did I want to? She did other things that were really great because they kind of like, um, made me going. But it was she wasn't the right coach for me. And by saying that, that that's, that's a no go, right? But anyways, um, I was like, I do have a story. You know, I do yes. have a story. An incredible and, story. Exactly. And everyone has a story. Yes. There is no one who doesn't have a story. Yes. So that is also to remember that we all have a story. Yes. Yes. You are speaking words that resonate deeply for me. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of your story, if we jump back into your story, you quit your job at corporate um, two weeks before your your dad passed away. Um I mean, give us some of the highlights of, of moving forward now as you have built your career. I'm, I'm guessing that it hasn't all just unfolded, you know, perfectly and um, without any no, no, no. Uh, road, roadblocks and obstacles. <laughs> no, no. But I also think, you know, I've learned from each and every one, even from the mistakes, right? Mm. Um, but one thing what, what happened was that, you know, I didn't really let go of this idea that, I still kind of applied for jobs. I still applied okay. for jobs, and but uh, but it, my heart wasn't in it. So mm -hmm. I think that that was you know people saw that right. You sense that, and until I think of maybe a year later, I was like, no, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm done with this because I did. I, I since that's way, I I didn't even dare to do the things that I was supposed to do for my business, right? So I was like, I'm done with this. Putting the job seeking at the side. I'm focusing to 100 percent just on setting up my business, right? And I was so into, I want to help other women and this is what I want to do. <clears throat> I remember I had a launch and I was in a, I do workshops for launches and I was in that workshop and it was on day five, I think. And I was like, oh, if you want to have a Q&A, I have one tomorrow. <laughs> and I didn't want to be there, you know, they didn't want to be there. I, of course, I didn't do any sales then because what I, I offered, I took a step back and I told my business manager and I said, you know what, Paris, we need to take a huge step back because this is not what I want to do. Mm. And I, and the, th the thing there is that there is a difference between your trigger clients and your ideal clients. Mm. And the trigger clients are those that you really, truly would love to help but they suck the energy out of you because they are not ready. Or in my case, these trigger clients were not ready for me. And I don't have the patience 
to work with them. I, I work with action takers and and they were also fun people, but they are very hard to get out of the of the golden cage, right? And that was what I wanted. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now I work with those who are ready to take a step out on the, I, I call it the bridge, you know, to take a step mm-hmm. out of out of the golden cage onto the bridge and start walking, right? But that realization was so powerful to me because then I also, now I use that with my own clients, right? To say, okay, is this really your ideal client or is it rather your trigger clients? Yeah, 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 you're right, right? Because it's not as if not anyone is supposed to help the trigger clients. There are sufficient people who will help the trigger clients too, Mm -hmm. who will get energy from the trigger clients. Mm -hmm. But you shouldn't waste your energy on them, right? So that was so kind of like... (laughs) And when I did that, when I, you know, when I took a step back, rearranged, so I had clients, but it wasn't really going well. I, you know, I also didn't feel comfortable in selling and, you know, when you don't sell, you don't make any revenue. So, but when I took a step back and I said, okay, you know what, I want to do a step-by-step program. I want to help service-based entrepreneurs to set up their business online. How do we do that best? Well, what I had seen in the programs that I had been in was that I, I need accountability, like real accountability, mm-hmm. and I need a step-by-step plan, or I think it's step-by-step plan is the way to go. So that is how we set up my current program, The Empowered Entrepreneur. And when I did that, you know, when I were able to put that out there, that is also when I started doing money because mm-hmm. I was in a completely different energy, completely different confidence because mm-hmm. this is what I wanted to do. And I knew that, you know, based on the experiences I had, also from my my um, previous corporate roles as a program manager, I knew I can do this, you know? And then that is a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So will you expound a little bit more on, on what you do? Um, yeah. So I work with service-based entrepreneurs in my group coaching program. In my mm-hmm. one-to-one, some corporate people still search me out. Those who are ready to, to start kind of like exploring, to kind of like... <laughs> How do I, how do I find my, you know, corporate purpose or whatever it might be or yes. business purpose? So those search me out, but I don't, I don't, I don't, how do you say it? I don't target them if you want to put it like that. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, yeah. So they still come and, and, and come to me, but so I help service-based entrepreneur to set up their online businesses to create a scalable offer, because often if you are a coach or if, if you are, for example, have um, Pilates teachers, they, ha- they have very kind of limited time because they serve either one-to-one or in a very small room, right? Right. But if you are able to take that all online into online classes, there is no cap on time. There is no cap on money. Because what you also do is when you serve people one-to-one, you need, uh, let's assume you, you charge $100 per per hour, right? You need a lot of hours to mm-hmm. make those 10,000. Let's assume if 10,000 is what you want to do, because that is what many people aim for, right? Mm-hmm. And that is a lot of hours per week that you need to implement. You, it's like 25 hours per week, mm-hmm. client facing hours. And that is no kind of, you, you're not, you don't have time to prepare. You don't have time to do any administration. It's just 25 hours face to face. But if you would implement, let's assume, a group coaching program or an online course, you can take on these clients and the number of hours that you spend might be, any, depending then on the value that you want to bring, but it can be anything from one hour to maybe four or five hours per week instead of the 25 hours. Imagine how much time that frees up for lead generation, administration, time with your family, more time for you, 
whatever it is that you want, right? Mm -hmm. So that is what I help my people doing. I love it. I feel I feel lighter even just hearing you talk about having more time and more, <laughs> more space in your life. And I'm like, yes, that sounds like a beautiful, beautiful plan. And more yeah. money because there is no cap then, right? Because once you're capped out, and I mean, imagine you have to kind of serve 25 people. You, you are just, you don't have per week, right? You right. don't have any energy left, right? So, yeah. and, and there is a cap on that income. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of goes back to the very beginning of our conversation of taking care of yourself, making life less difficult for yourself, which allows you to make life less difficult and help and serve others in a greater capacity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what the coolest thing with my job is that I help, so I also have clients, but it's my clients. I have also coaches as clients. And when I get to help them, they then in their turn help 10, 20, 100 other people. So mm-hmm. my impact is not only that single person, it's all the other persons too, right? Mm-hmm. And that is also the best feedback when I get from my cli- clients, when they have feedback, positive feedback from their own clients and they kind of give it to me. That is, yeah. that is the most amazing thing. Yes. And then your impact is, it becomes exponential. Yeah. 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 There is no cap there either. Yes. And I think about the the ripples in, in the water, right? If there's the, the lake and you throw a, a, a rock into the lake and then the ripples just keep going out and out and out. And it just um, creates this amazing ripple effect across across the globe, I like to say. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah that, I mean, I wouldn't even have imagined that. I mean, I have clients in Australia, in the U.S., India even, and Europe, of course, since I'm in Europe myself, but it's, it's everywhere. And you and I are connected now and you're in Sri Lanka and I'm here and sitting in Switzerland. You know, it's, it's amazing the things you can do. Yeah, it is amazing. Your story is inspiring, Josephine. And I'm, I'm curious if someone is listening to this and resonates with something you shared or would like to reach out. um, Is it okay if people would reach out to connect with you? Oh yeah, I call myself the networking queen. (laughs) I love to connect with people. And when I talk with someone the first time, I love coffee too. So I often do Zoom coffees. They are informal Zoom coffees and just reach out to me. They can best reach me because I love to to connect on over LinkedIn. So that is Josephine Warner on LinkedIn. Just search for me there. If anyone is interested in my Facebook group, uh, the free Facebook group, it's um, Online Entrepreneurs Community just come knocking and we will let you in, right? So it's uh, it's very open, it's very safe and um, yeah, definitely connect with me. Fantastic. And I'll include links uh, to your LinkedIn and, and whatever else, um, the Facebook group or whatever else you'd like in our show notes so people can find you there. Cool. And we'll also share the scarf model. So I guess yes. that Dr. David Rock will be pleased when he see the increase in <laughs> yes. YouTube views too. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Josephine, thank you so much. I know that we have just really barely scratched the surface of your your life and your stories and your wisdom. And so I'd love to extend an invitation to come back for part two of the conversation down the road. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to it. And when I have my podcast up and running, whoever knows when, then you are definitely going to be there too. I look forward to it. Thank you so much. Yes, I'm, you, I'm excited for your your podcast <laughs> that, that will be at some point in time, it will be 
<laughs> exactly. And now that I've outed it, it increases the possibility that it will actually happen with 65%. So let's do that. 